Welcome to the 80s montage. Jay Jovi here. Sammy Hard on. How you going? How's it's a very cold, it's freezing. sort of free, wintry night, isn't it? Holy very shit. Very cold and we're still in ISO. Even if we weren't in lockdown, we wouldn't be going out tonight. Well, I don't know. I could fit a night out somewhere. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm desperate, mate. It'd have to be like bloody raining fire for me to not go out at the moment. All I want to do is go and see a band or something. Absolutely. I've got the St Kilda vibe happening, yeah? Like where we could go down yeah. to St Kilda. Fuck yeah. Go to the vineyard or the Espy or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Lovely. We could do that. We could go out for dinner. Yeah, not, beautiful. Not down to yet. clay pots. Clay yeah, pots, not yeah. Yet. Couple more months, couple more months. I know, it's going to be a long one, but look, we've got to do it. Yeah, that's right, absolutely. We, we're going to be speaking about something slightly different tonight, which I'm glad about because we, you know, it's good to sort of um, venture off up. into sort of, yeah, different areas, absolutely. Mm. Tonight we're talking about duds, flops and epic fails of the 80s. Wow. There were a few. There were there were heaps. There were heaps. Mm. This is sort of like you know, eighties was a time. I guess it was like right before uh, market research and sort of the um, consumer consumer sort of uh, polls and all all of that kind of thing were imperative. Like these days, you don't release anything without sort of some kind of consumer testing before you release it. But, um, you know, in, in the 80s, it was just sort of see how it goes, see how it sells, and if it works, it works, you know? Mm, that's true. And s- subsequently, there, there were a few sort of massive, massive fails in, in that time. That's it. And there were even products that were fantastic at the time, but we never heard of again, you know, forever, yeah, right. ever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Most of the products that I can think of have been shoes, of all things. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, which is very unusual. But um, I remember there being pieces of clothing that we would never use again. Yeah, And that were yeah, ridiculously absolutely. stupid. Yeah, yeah. All right, so is there anything we need to mention before we sort of dive into it? Anybody nah. or anything? Nah. 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 Lovely. We'll just um, say good day to all our listeners. Um, hope we're keeping you entertained during lockdown. Good on you guys. Thanks for sticking in. We've got lots of lovely messages during the week. It's been fantastic. So um, I hope this is going to be an informative one for you. Let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. So what was your first epic fail? Number one I had was a big one and mm-hmm. it, start, it was in 1985. Mm-hmm. And I'll sort of unpack it for you. Um, it was sort of centred around the Coke-Pepsi rivalry, um, which started sort of decades before, you know, like um, the Cola Wars, you know. But it became um, – it sort of reached its peak, especially in the 80s, um, because Coke – I didn't realise this, but Coke was sort of – Coca-Cola I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Coke was um, – Coke was thought of to be like a bit of a – Mums and dads drink, like a bit of a family drink. A bit of an adult's so, drink. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So Pepsi had, in the years before this, had really aimed everything at um, being like a youth alternative to yep. Coke. So mums and dads would drink Coke and the kids would have Pepsi. It was just like, you know, just like a, a trend thing. And sort of as 
as that youth market became really, really lucrative, um, Pepsi actually started outselling Coke midway, sort of um, beginning of the 80s and midway through the 80s. So Coke were like, fucking hell, what are we going to do? We've taken the cocaine out of our recipe. Uh, well, you know, what's what's the appeal going to be? <laughs> so Isn't they, that amazing, they, um, though, that to market Pepsi as the better alternative, they were both as yeah. bad as each other. Yeah. So yeah, it was a absolutely. pretty strong campaign. Yeah, yeah. Where you're it like, was, oh, it, it's okay to drink Pepsi, you know. Yeah, especially in the especially in the US, especially in the US, like Pepsi is like, sorry, you know, cola and soda is like water in the USA. Like, you, you know, yeah. you, you just by default sit down. If you're not having a beer, you will definitely have a soda, you know. Yep, yep. Um, it was only much later where – where sort of bottled water and everything became sort of cool and and it, uh, you know it, remember Evian Ev- Evian was um, I remember uh, it became com- yeah became huge yeah. I remember it coming into the nightclubs in about 80, yeah, right. 80, 89 maybe I just started working yep it was in a blue bottle the Perrier I remember the bottle it was a blue you bottle sure? I think it was green. I think it was green. Well, there was one that came in a blue bottle at around the time of Evian because the water wars were fucking huge. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, so Coke, Coca-Cola thought it would be a great idea to sort of like change and update uh, the the formula, the ingredients of of Coke. So they um, completely scrapped the old formula and in 1985 they released – like this new formula of Coke and people fucking hated it. Mm-hmm. Fucking hated it. Like they, you know, they were sort of, they were, they were undershooting Pepsi at beforehand. It's their sales just plummeted, just like went down the toilet. And so quickly, oh, so they had, they had this guy as part of, it was a huge marketing campaign, massive marketing campaign. Um, there was a big build-up. They had like a countdown um, on all the radio stations and everything, like how many weeks until the um, till new Coke comes out, you know. Um, and they had this character called... My, my Max Headroom. Remember Max Headroom? So well. Yeah. yeah so so Ma- well. Max Headroom, uh, I'm not sure if he had his start on MTV, if it was MTV first. I think it may have been. Yeah, it was, honey. Yep. But um, Coke signed him up as like the spokesperson for that campaign. Now, Max Headroom was like a um, a virtual personality. Mm. And he was, actually, he was actually played behind the scenes by a guy called Matt Frewer. You might know Matt Frewer. He, was, um, he played the next door neighbour in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Right. Do you remember? Like tall, skinny, weedy guy. Yeah? Yeah, the guy whose hat doesn't fit properly. Yeah, that guy at the end. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Big shout so, out to um, our Maddie in the background. When we stop talking, yeah. people, that's because Maddie's filling us our heads with info, which is always oh, good. Far out. Which is always Maddie's, good. Maddie's filling us in. <laughs> He's filling Keep us it clean, in, mate. Sammy. Get on ya. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've got a very high tech system here, and uh, we get sort of live feeds in our in our ear, which is great. All right. So, yeah. So Matt Frewer played um, Max Headroom, and he was sort of like a an this animated 
um, head, you know, and he was sort of like a like a um, animated character, but he was huge. He got he he got onto um, he got onto Letterman, you know, he was on MTV, and it was like a comedic sort of routine that he had. Max Headroom, anyway. So they even had. Pep, uh, Coke even had Max Headroom on on board. So new Coke is catching on. The taste is better and newer than. than, 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 than. <laughs> you said the p word. And it didn't work. None of it worked. It was a massive multi-million dollar campaign. People just fucking hated the taste. And um, so very quickly, within months, they got the old formula, put mm. it back into production, and started releasing it as. Original, original Coca-Cola. So they started selling sort of two lines. One was New Coke um, and one was called Classic Coca-Cola. And still on the cans now that we have now, it it will have Classic Coca-Cola. They still have the word classic. Well, I think using Max Hedrum was a big mistake in the fucking start start of things. He was quite scary when you were a kid in the 80s. I watched Mac he- Max yeah. Hedrum and I didn't like him. I thought he was quite he, – he just – it was more about technology and he was a bit spooky yeah. and I found him quite threatening as a kid. He was very spooky. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was shit scared of him. Someone hacked into a television network. Um, oh, I can't remember what show it was actually. What was the show? Was it Doctor Who or something? Or something like that, and and Max Hedrum popped up, and actually, like you know, when you are, um, you, I don't know what's the equivalent now that it, they just broke into the bloody TV network, and Max yeah, Hedrum right. just popped up. He was spanking someone's ass or something, apparently. Yeah, right. Well, I, I, we did look at it. It wasn't that exciting. Interesting. But, but Max right. Hedrum wasn't really a kids thing, you know. I don't know if. Max, a lot of the dummy look was kind of in. Like there was a video with a whole lot of dummies in it that used to scare the shit out oh, of me. Wasn't that, went, wasn't that another one bites a dust? No, it? this was a a, a, a th- hundred dummies playing xylophones. I remember and, that and yes. it was their legs and stuff. Yes. What was what that the track? Fuck you must was remember. It? it was the biggest fucking scariest thing. That um, used to scare the shit out of me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny that you remember it because – I used to hate it, and I used to see it on Simon Townsend Wonder World, and it yeah, would be dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. It was one guy that sang it. Dun, dun, I think it was a one-hit wonder. Dun, dun, oh. dun. It had all these dummies in it, you know. It wasn't um, fucking that that um, baffled by science or blinded by science or whatever it is. No, it, it wasn't, wasn't that. that. Was it? No, nah, you're nah. thinking of. Um, you're thinking of um, Herbie Hancock. Ah, uh, right. Where he does all I've, the legs and stuff, yeah. I think I think that track, I always thought it was Another One Bites the Dust. And I think I'm thinking that because it, you know that kind of reverse, um, that reverse effect, that reverse guitar effect or synth effect where it like goes, yep, like that, like it, you can do that like reverse kind of synth effect. <laughs> Fucking have your sneezing Matt, fit somewhere Matt, else. Can Maddie's you? having a sneezing fit. We're, we're deciding uh. whether or not to respond to it. But <laughs> how can you not? Anyway, yeah, who knows that track? We'll have to look that up because um, that's another that's another really good um, subject is instrumentals. Ah, instrumentals. Yeah. 
We were going to no, do no, that. No, no, he sang we? in we it. He sang that. in it. There was this vocal well, in he? it. Fuck yeah. It, uh, it went da 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 I fucking can't tell you how to find it, but it was. If you guys out there shit. listening, yeah, if you're listening and you know what we're talking about, because I knew what Sammy was talking about straight away. Yeah. So if yeah. you know, if, if you know, really it doesn't happen often. If it, yeah, that's right. If you know what it is, um, um, write to us on our social media, guys. Anyway, let's keep moving. So, so, um, um, oh, and I reckon Jim Carrey owes Max Headroom a lot of fucking uh, oath. He, he caught. There's a bit of a tribute there. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, Jim Jim Carrey doing um um Fire Chief Chi, Fire Chief Willie or Fire Chief that character he used to do. Anyway, anyway. So around this time, also this is like a double fail, right? So he had Coke with their big fucking fail. Mm. Pepsi, Pepsi. I think it was 1989 that this happened when Coke popped. Um, popped uh, uh, classic Coke back on the market, their sales then, there was like this big sort of uh, sigh of relief and everybody bought Coke again and then they started topping uh, Pepsi and they've Pepsi have never been able to sort of get back on top since, since that. So um, everybody wonders if it was a, like a planned thing by Coke because they ended up, even though it was a huge fail, they ended up getting back on top. But in 1989, Pepsi thought that it might be a good idea to sort of try something different with their formula as well. I don't know why they fucking would. Um, but um, they released, in the USA, they released Pepsi AM. And what? Pepsi AM, Pepsi AM was like... Um, a bit of a milder Pepsi for people that wanted to have it for breakfast. Oh, my God, because that's what you need for breakfast. I mean, if you're hungover, I get it. I get it. But, like, they were trying to tap into the kind of fat pricks that were like, made of a Pepsi for breakfast. You know, like, gee, how shit is that? And it didn't sell. I mean, for fuck's sake. But they also they they also released Pepsi Clear, which was um which was like clear like lemonade, but it it tasted like Pepsi. But people people couldn't get over it. It was just too weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Simple, stupid, basically. I mean, the Pretty fact much. that they've gone and changed their recipe, and then those two were rivals. But I mean, let's talk about Michael Jackson and his Pepsi commercial and how much of a fucking fail that was, because it nearly yeah. killed the guy. You know, it oh, scarred him for life. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So was like, that, was that eighty three or eighty four? It was something like that, and his hair caught on fire, and and it fucked him up. So it was the up. Jacksons. It was the Jacksons? They had them. They had them on there. They were like they were all on a stairwell. Yeah, right. They're all on a stairwell, and Michael was coming down the middle. And as he was coming down and sort of striking poses, they had pyrotechnics going off, and uh, some of them sprayed into his hair and lit all the soul glow 
a light and uh, burnt the back of his scalp out. So, yeah. yeah, and it and it it gave him so much grief since then. Like that was the end of because he had to have so many operations to fix it. Um, yeah, and it was just horrific. Now well, they say that's what sort of started his dependence on painkillers. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's right. So that was a fail. Poor mm. old Michael, never to be the same right. again. You know, yeah. someone, I don't even know if anyone was sued. Like, fuck, man, if you've got a light that's not working or something happens like that. he, I think they put the light too close to his hair. Was that the situation? Yeah, yeah, sh- yeah. They were Shower all being sparks. showered. Yeah, right. they were all being showered and Horrific. it was just a matter of time. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't they have burnt Tito or one of the fucking, yeah. one of the shit ones, you know? Tito. Fucking hell! I know. One of the right? shit ones. He could have got. He could have completely burnt, and no one, no one would have missed him. <laughs> they, oh, they would have. They, they would have just got Latoya in, and like, here, get in there, stand in. Well, yeah, yeah. I'd say I'd say Marlon was the sort of least uh, least talented. Oh they still God. released it though. Yeah, know. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. All right, Sammy, what have you got? Have you got one for me? Yeah, I've oh, look, I've got water beds were the fucking most ridiculous things ever invented. Fuck yeah. Right? Water oh, beds. My mum had a water bed. My uncle had one as well. Yeah. And they were fantastic to sleep in, but I don't know if they'd be great to shag in. They were really bad for your back, weren't they? Oh, they were, I don't know. They went through this scientific thing that water was, you know, because we're all made up of water and it was the most bloody natural thing to do. But it only lasted not long. No, I mean, they still do sell them, but who the fuck buys them? Do they still sell them? Yeah, I've had a look. I reckon they'd be popular with, with um, like, sailors and stuff like that because it'd be like fucking on a boat. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, you had to heat them up. They always used to fucking break. Oh, you had to heat them, that's right. Yeah, you heat them up. The bloody, the actual thing would break. You'd have to sew up the freaking, what do you call it, what you lay on. Ridiculous idea. Mattress? Mattress, that's it. And um, if you had a mattress that you had to heat up. When when did Edward Scissorhands come out? Can you remember he burst the, um, he burst the fucking... Must have been late 80s, if not early 90s. I reckon 89. Yeah, yeah. Let's bend the rules slightly. Remember um, remember Edward Scissorhands bloody sitting sitting down on the waterbed? It was and 1990. Then when he up, fuck, there we yeah, go. Went into yeah. production in 89. Yeah, it would have yeah, been, been filmed in 89. That's right. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. My mum had one, I remember, and it was just so weird. You, you, you know... When when they'd go away on holidays, I couldn't wear any of my bondage gear and have sex in there because it, <laughs> it, the, the, the studs would go straight through the bladder. Shocking idea! Unbelievable! Shocking! Yeah, never they mind. only like, yeah. I think they were like the rich brought them or people that wanted to buy waterbeds, and then they just faded. You know, it's a weird thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, imagine yeah. how much it was to fucking run the shit. Electricity wasn't cheap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you had to like constantly keep pool. it heated. Yeah. You had to keep it heated because if you didn't, it'd just be like freezing fucking cold water. Exactly. How are you going to sleep with that? <laughs> but that was the that was the stupid thing I thought of. I thought that was an epic fail because, you know, it, it was something they'd thought of. Everyone was going to lie on it. I mean, you can't root unless you've got a firm surface, obviously. 
and they were heavy as fuck as well. Like yeah, you, they had to be heavy. To get them delivered, you'd have to have some special guy come around and fucking pull his cock and change your fucking bed. Like it was just hardcore. A special guy? A special guy. <laughs> yeah. He'd shave out of you. Bed. Fucking like Move in the your porn. Bed. Yeah. Here's your waterbed. <laughs> now let me show you how to use it. Waterbed. So that was um. one of mine. I thought that was an epic fail in the – look, at, I'm pretty sure it was the 80s. It could have been the late 70s, but I'm pretty sure it was the 80s. Oh, they were huge in the 80s. They, they yeah. were very trendy in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got, so, JB? Um, another one that I've got, and you would know this very well, gull wings. Gull wings on cars. Gull wings on cars, yes, yes. Typified, typified very, very famously in the DeLorean DMC-12 from Oh, Back to you the mean Future. like the doors that went out sideways? Yes, they ah. went up above the car and sat on top of the car like that. Yeah, ah. and they still they still use them. Um, on I saw them on a brand. I saw them on a, a recent release of a. Um, of a Mercedes, but yeah, um, one of the reasons they got rid of them uh, was because if you had an accident and rolled and end up rolling and the car rested on its roof, you couldn't get out of the fucking no, car. You couldn't. You had no way of getting out. You mm. just had to burn alive, like mm. um, Michael Jackson. Now, apparently, they, that's something that they were good for, like tight parking spaces, because they'd, um, they wouldn't have to open out. They'd open straight up, but fucking who knows? It just reminds me of the scene in The Wedding Singer the whole time. <laughs> yeah, where, yeah, absolutely. Where, you know, she, she's drunk and she leaves the club and her dumb-ass boyfriend opens up yeah. the door with the Miami Vice yeah. sound machine. Uh, Miami Vice theme, sorry. Now, the DeLorean was in itself a massive fail. It was yeah. an epic fail. It, um, it was released by John DeLorean, who was the only owner of the company, I think between 83 and 85. It only went for a couple of years. They only released one car. Um, it was designed by an Italian guy. His name escapes me. Um, but it when it was released, it was really, really expensive. Beautiful looking car, like incredible. Mm. Like these these gull wings, like look so space age and incredible. You would remember from um, Back to the Future. And, yeah. and we saw a DeLorean, didn't we? Well, our, our promo ago. shop has a DeLorean or it's a make, is it a different DeLorean? Rewind 80s promo I don't, shop. It wouldn't, be the, it wouldn't be the one from Back to the Future. It might be um, another but one. But I, th- I think something like sixty-five thousand of them were released, so that, yeah. that's not a huge. That's not a huge not. release. Yeah. Um, but they were expensive, and they did sort of underperform. They, you know, they're fucking not very powerful, and a bit, a bit sort of disappointing for what they promised. But they looked beautiful. Um, they had this beautiful sort of brushed metal, <laughs> this sort of um, brushed metal look, like a, a sort of matte metal finish. Yeah. It was, um, really effective, but um, they went bust because I think the owner of the company was like trafficking drugs in them, like like massive amounts. Yeah, massive amounts of. Now the gig. See now the prop. See when you first joined our band, we did a function where there was a Delorium at the Hyatt Hotel. Remember that? And you were like, "We've yeah, got to do a right. photo. We've got to do a photo." And that that's the has night been that we weren't. That's the night that we weren't allowed to um, 
uh, bump into the loading area because Katy right. Perry. Perry was staying there. That's right. And I and I said to the guys at the door, can you fucking tell Katy Perry to fucking hurry up? Yeah. <laughs> and they went, uh, it's Katy Perry. I said, I don't give a fuck. I've got a band to get in, man. Um, they went, fuck off, bitch. They did. And I and I remember seeing the car one of the fucking Katy Perry. I don't mind a bit of <laughs> Katy, though. I saw um, Katy Perry did a version of a song that I looked at and I can't remember what it is now, but it was quite good. Um, it was a cover. It was a cover of something really unusual. Like either oh, she by did. She did. She used to. She did a cover of um, "Electric Feel" by um, ah, you know that song "Electric Feel." Yeah, I love that song. Across the Western Front. Yeah, you know that song. Yeah, yeah she does. She uh, used to do a copy of that and uh, a uh, cover of that, and she used yeah. to do a good fucking job, to be honest. Yeah, no, she's but, um, a good artist. She's a great artist. Um, but it was just a really weird song that I saw yeah. her cover, and I, I'm sure it was 80s actually. Yeah, um, yeah. Really bizarre. But, yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up. But, yeah, so we had a lot of the 80s functions we do, they will go all out and spend a lot of money on props and stuff that makes these big 80s functions incredible. And this was for a magazine company. I can't remember the name of the magazine company, but they weren't cool at uh, the It was time. a magazine group. It was, yeah, a big – it was um, like a media, a, me- a print media um, and I remember syndicate, the, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and uh, what's her name was taking them to court at the time. Who's Rebel the Wilson. Oz- Rebel That's Wilson, right. yeah. So I felt a bit funny about doing that. Um, and I think did I make a joke? I made a joke about it on possibly. about Rebel Wilson or something on, on stage. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> possibly. Anyway, so so that was great because we. I think that's our best promo shot we've ever got. You know, yeah, with that over, over the old DeLorean. If mm. you're interested, go on the go on the Rewind Eighties Facebook or Instagram and check it out. Absolutely. Now another one. Moving on, another one, and this is a personal one. This is a very personal one. Yeah. Fl- Floppy disks. Floppy Who the disks. fuck thought of floppy disks? If you've got floppy disks, were and and look, people people of today, if you're young enough, would not know what they were. You don't need to know. They were the biggest fucking failure. These things, right? So you know, Anything these days, fucking you floppies are failure, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's right. Except floppy tits. You know, <laughs> they're all right. But but um. <laughs> no, you no, you don't want floppy tits even. So, so um, floppy disks were like um, if you know, like a USB stick. If you wanted to uh, um, transport sort of large amounts of data from one uh, personal computer to another, you would pop them on this fucking floppy disk. But like, oh god, I can't even remember like the data size on these disks. But it was. Appalling. It, it was wasn't terrible. very big. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So they they initially had the large ones, which were five and a half inch. They were five and a half, like a big five and a half inch square. Remember, Sammy? They were about like a square. Yeah, like I that used big. to use them, honey. Yeah. And they were very, you know. You kind of, if you've got sort of sensitive, you know, if you've got an assignment on there or if you, you're like storing sort of archives on there or something like that, you kind of want it to be a bit robust, yeah? yeah. These things were so, so delicate. If you looked at them the wrong way, they wouldn't fucking work and it'd be like, you know, corrupted. You know, you get a corrupted message come up and you couldn't, you couldn't access your fucking files. Yeah. And so then they were notoriously fragile and so then a couple of years later they bought 
bought out a three three and a half inch one, which was like still referred to as a floppy disk, but they were actually harder. harder. You know, they, mm. they had a hard case, but they even were so so fragile. They were really fragile as well, and I remember like. Um, actually doing that, actually sort of submitting assignments and applications and this is this is sort of high school uni kind of territory for me and um, sending them in the mail because people used to do that. You'd send them in the mail. They actually had like um, Australia Post used to have like a package that was exactly like a uh, floppy disk size yeah, yep. for this very thing so that you could sort of send data and um, – They'd get it at the other end, and nine times out of ten, it'd be it wouldn't be fucking working. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I'm still fuming. You can tell. Well, those discs were also used on MC500s, and MC500s were the first sequences to come ah, out. Is that right? And what it was, it was it was a little module where you put the disc in with all your songs on it, and yeah. then you would twist the little knob around and then press play, and it would come up with a doot. And then your sequence song would start because in the 90s or the late 80s, we started to see sequence duos. Otherwise, they were just piano and vocal. Right. Um, And then in the late 80s, people started programming all the tracks and they would use an MC500 if you had the money to get one. And there was a Mark 1 and a Mark 2. And they would. How expensive were they? I'm not sure. We. we had a couple, but the thing about them is they weren't reliable. So you might put your disc in and then a, a song that was in the wrong key or the right key would start up and play in the wrong key. So it was just not oh, reliable. So you could yeah. be doing a song live and it would just happen in another key because something went wrong. So all yeah. those discs were never that reliable and, and stuff like that. But um, – Interesting times because they were still trying to find out what would make things reliable in the 80s, you know, with computers and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So in 1980, in 1980 a floppy disk was 180 kilobytes. That's f- that's fucking appalling. 2.8 megabytes. 2.8 megs at the end of the 80s, by the end of the 80s. Fucking hell. Jeez. But we did yeah, use so them, you, you know. We did use them yeah. until the old mini disc player come out and we all know about the mini disc players. Yeah, you, that's uh, right. We ran a fucking band off a mini disc player for a while. Yeah, Not us, gotcha. Yeah. we were in a, a cover band with a mini disc player. So that was a little bit more reliable. Now, uh, what have you got, Sammy? Have you got another one for me? A massive fail. I'm not sure whether this was late 70s, early 80s, and it was a thing called a moon boot. It was called a moon boot, and we were all obsessed in space and shit, and we had a pair of shoes you could buy, and my brother got a pair for Christmas, called the moon boots. And they were a mixture of the kiss boot and a fucking space boot for snow Were they orthopedic? No, they were fucking just – they were just stupid boots. And right. And it was like, you know, when someone gets a moon boot when they've broken their ankle? Yeah. It was like that but kind of mixed that with a kiss boot and you've got this fucking stupid puffy moon boot. You'd fall over in them. You couldn't walk in them. You couldn't ride your bike in them. You couldn't fucking do anything in them. And they were all the rage. Moon boots. Moon boots, yeah. You wouldn't have got them in Queensland, honey, because you wouldn't have had the weather for them. 
<laughs> no. I think that – no, no, absolutely not. Nah. But moon boots used to come in rainbow colours. They were fucking Jesus. ridiculous. And my brother got a pair – I didn't want a pair because I thought they looked stupid, but we would wear them in winter in Melbourne to school. But so they could like have been like an UGG boot, but less of a slipper sort of. Like an UGG boot, but like fucking a pair of fucking bloody floaties on your feet. You know when you get, you know when we used to go swimming with floaties when yeah. you were little. Your mum and dad had put floaties on your arms. It was like yeah. wearing a fucking pair of those. It was ridiculous, <laughs> um, but they were the really big fashion statement in the in the in the early eighties or the late seventies. I'm pretty sure it was the early eighties because my brother wouldn't have worn. He's a bit younger than me. I remember my brothers talking about them and me like having no idea what they were referring to. They sort of it's not something that stuck with me, you know. They wouldn't have been they wouldn't have been massively popular up north. It would have been too hot for that. No, kind of absolutely. Shit. But in Melbourne during winter they were crazy popular. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. trying to think of someone on TV that would have worn them. I think they wear them in the movie Hot Tub Time Machine. Have you seen that? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think yep. they all get dressed up in their big puffy jackets and their moon boots. They were Yeah. fucking huge. Oh, awesome. But nice people Sorry, out I'm there just having a tequila. That's okay. Yeah. People that used to have a pair of moon boots will remember it. But you know, another another thing that was really shit were the fucking the the things that girls wear wore. I think they were called jelly babies or jelly beans and they were just a flat thong kind of a thing. Jelly beans. They were like a that sandal. Went up to your knee. Yeah, but it was they just were like a, a lace. Sandal, yeah? No, no, no. It was just a flat piece of fucking say if you take your sole off your shoe, right? You've got yeah. a sole and it was yep. like a lace that ran through your toe and then you laced it up to your knee. It was like a, almost like a Roman thing. It wasn't okay. a sandal though. Right. And I'm just trying to think what they were called. But they were either pink or you could get them red. And we oh, they were all the rage in the 80s. Ridiculous fucking things. You tripped over all the time. Oh, fuck. Can you remember those jellies? That's what I thought you were talking about. You know those je- – they're called jellies and they yeah. were like kind of – they looked like they were made of gel, those shoes. They were girl shoes. Yeah. Um, and they'd have like glitter in them sometimes. You could get them all different colours. They were the fucking most ugly fucking things you can imagine. They were horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People used Absolutely. to get like sort of clear – clear plastic ones and it'd be like, well, I don't want to see your feet for fuck's sake. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's why, you've, that's why you've got shoes on. Jellies were fucking – and they'd rub you and you'd get blisters, all that oh, sort of stuff. That sounds all right. Yeah, no, not really. They were painful. <laughs> fucking all the right. shoes were crazy. <laughs> All right, well, moving on. Okay, so we're sort of back into a few of mine are sort of in computer territory because I guess like this kind of thing, computers and robotics and that kind of thing, we're becoming really prevalent not just in um, major industries but in people's homes. So, um, you know, it was a, a kind of trial by error situation still in the 80s with, with a lot of this kind of stuff, electronics. One of them... We talked about we've talked about Ataris before, and Ataris being, um, you know, very very popular um, game console, and it was a sort of arcade game platform before it was a console. Um, on Atari, 
on Atari because, you know, uh, Nick, um, what is it? Not Nickelodeon, Nintendo. Nintendo and Sega would have come along and sort of Atari would have been really nervous. So they spent $26 million to buy the rights of the E.T. game. (laughs) Ah, yes, right. Yeah, right? So they spent $26 million, which in kind of early to mid-80s, it was a lot of money. Bucking like oath kind it of was. Ad- adjust that for inflation and it's nuts. Meanwhile, they spent all that money on it. They only spent five months developing this game. Like if you get a computer game these days, they are developing it for years. That's they're right. like right you know, they're like films. They're writing the storylines and sort of um, you know, working out the games and, you know, troubleshooting that and market testing, all that kind of thing. They spent four months designing this game and then they released it and it was really, really awful, mm. really, really shit. All these little kids would have bought this <laughs> bought this ET game off the back of um, the popularity of the movie and it was – like too difficult for them to play and it was boring, both difficult and boring. So I think they they made four million copies and they only sold one and a half million and they Shit. very famously got the rest of them, got a bulldozer, <laughs> dug a big hole and buried them and ran over the top of the fucking hole oh. so that uh, in an undisclosed location so that nobody could ever come and find them they they um they have since found it apparently but um you know it it was an abomination this game it was so I remember actually sort of having that reaction of like, oh, you know, how exciting, E.T., must be good, must be good. Getting on, it was like, what the fuck do you do? Nobody nobody could work it out. And didn't the character of E.T. actually do shit that he didn't do in the movie? Like didn't his neck stretch or something or in the – He know just what I mean? like – there was like a really dodgy graphic of E.T. yeah. Apart from that, it had nothing to do with ET. And you can like find that on YouTube as well. That dodgy graphic. There's some guy that takes you through it. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. pretty funny. But not only did it like just just destroy Atari, it it sort of took down the whole sort of video game industry around it. Like it was a huge, huge failure. Um, so there you go. <laughs> there you wow. go. I just I just love the image. It's sort of one of those things that when you play it. You get angry, <laughs> and yeah. it's, I just love—I love the image and the satisfaction of of thinking of them getting a bulldozer and like fucking running all over the top of it. It's like it's like how Elvis used to shoot the TV when there was nothing on it. It's uh, like, yeah, well, that's what, that's did what you, you would have do the if game you yourself, or no? I wasn't allowed those kind of things. Okay. I remember playing it in the shop and in, in a shop and being like, "What the fuck's this all about?" Yeah. Was pretty yeah. fucked up. Yeah, yeah. So I so wanted to go. talk about a band, uh, a band that failed very miserably in 1981. Really? Mm-hmm. I've got a big stack of music ones. Should we do them a little? Hey, quiet. That's my dog, everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hello, doggy. Um, um, I've got a big stack of music ones. Should we do them all together a little later? Well, I don't have much else, so whatever you want right, to do. I've got... I'll punch through mine and then we'll move on to music. Yeah. How's, how about that? Yeah, do okay, that. Okay, the mate. next one I got is the Sydney Monorail. 
So monorails in general, yeah, monorails were like a kind of above ground rail system and it was going to like revolutionise kind of travel, you know, public transport. And everybody got on board. It was like, you know, the big kind of buzz thing that you had to have. Like I think Toronto had one. Sydney got one in 1988. And um, <laughs> I remember riding on it and it was exciting, you know, because you're, you're above street level and you're sort of zooming through the city and everything. But look, basically it was it's just basically a tram up on an overpass, you know, yeah, on, a, on yeah. an extended overpass. So they got the one in Sydney in 1988. Cost them millions, as you can imagine, and it was going to sort of um, completely link the city of Sydney, like um, Circular Quay and um, Darling Harbour and all of Sydney City. It was going to sort of bring it all together. Nobody went on it. Everybody was Mm. like, what's the fucking point? Everybody did initially for the novelty and then no Sydney siders ever, ever used it. They did not use it. It was just like... It didn't sort of stop in any areas that were useful um, to anybody other than tourists. And really, if people are coming to Australia in the 80s and 90s, they're not coming to fucking ride a monorail, are they? They're, they're, no. They're, go- they're going to Bondi Beach. They're going to the Outback. You know, they're doing all of that shit. They're not coming on a monorail. I did go on it. I remember, <laughs> I remember we did go on it and it was completely empty. And wow. it didn't 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 help that sort of when they when they launched it when they released it in eighty eight I think a couple of months after it malfunctioned and just stopped on the tracks like mid like between two stations mm. and people were fucked for the, they were they were um they were trapped up there for like three or four hours and eventually you know Aussies like then they're, they're not going to wait to be rescued like ah oh, fuck this they all started like. Crossing the doors open and climbing along the tracks, which were like, <laughs> you know, a dangerous height above the street level, and they're they're sort of climbing along. So it, yeah, I think there were after that there was a bit of a, a safety reservation as well. Like people thought, fuck, when's it when's it going to go out of control or something? But yeah, so another was it one just super quickly. Super expensive to ride well, on. Re- it? Well, not not overly. Yeah. Not overly, but it's like it'd be the same amount for a taxi, but with a taxi you can tell them exactly where you want to fucking go. Yeah. You know what have I mean? Have you been it in ne- a taxi in Sydney? Obviously you have. Yeah. They drive yeah. very differently in Sydney. Oh, yeah. It's it's a very different city to Melbourne. Oh, very, my God. Very it's so fast. Culturally very different in, in many areas. Mm. Yeah. Maybe it just wasn't fast enough, the monorail, for the Sydney siders. I don't know. It was just yeah. It's 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 just a bit of a kind of um, what do they call it? A white ele- elephant, you know. Like it's a bit of it's a big kind of excitement, and then it doesn't really deliver. You know that yeah. that was the monorail. But another one, and my final one of of kind of events and and uh, tech stuff is Apple. Apple computers. You look at Apple today, yeah. You look at Apple today. I'm recording on on a Mac. I'm speaking to you on a on a on an iPhone. Um, you know, I've got an iPad. I think we've got we've actually got four Macs in our house. We've yeah. got three iPads, and we both have uh, an iPhone. That is unbelievable. Uh, they, they, oh, and we've got an Apple TV. So they, they've got like a, a sort of now they've got a complete monopoly on 
um, user-friendly technology, right? So in the 80s, <laughs> in the 80s, IBM were huge and sort of Apple was developed by Steve Jobs and some other guy in the in the 70s and in in the in the 80s they um they were going into sort of uh uh home computers you know like personal computers it wasn't just like a work thing. It um, people wanted to use them at home for word processing and fucking porn. Um, so Apple thought they would that they would kind of uh, corner that market, and they were trying to make them as user friendly as possible. And that look, to be honest, that that they that has always been what they have been good at, is um, being user friendly. But they weren't good at it yet. In the early early eighties, they released like four or five major products. Um, they released two sort of, um, one called, uh, it was like the Apple III, which was meant to be like a home computer. And I remember this ap- Apple III. It was unbelievably ugly. Really, really ugly. Big and heavy and slow and fucking expensive. Mm. I think it was, uh, they, they released one called the Apple Lisa. Um, and the Apple Lisa was like 25 grand or something like that. 25 grand for a fucking computer. And it was a huge failure. And um, mm. it actually got to the stage that in 1985, they they were under so much stress as a company that they, um, they, they got rid of Steve Jobs and he um, sold all of his shares and... Um, and he um he sort of jumped out of the jumped out of um, Apple computers, you know the 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 product that he had sort of co-founded, and he would come back on board. Yeah, I think they got him back, didn't they, or something? They got him back as like a like a head sort of consultant and developing consultant and stuff. Um, not bad. Like he sort of <laughs> sell you know sells off all the kind of responsibility when they're doing it tough and and then when they start picking up they they get him back and prop you know obviously would have paid him squillions to come on board as a I think consultant. they sacked so him though go. babe I think they sacked him um it was a he he didn't get along with the CEO they they were all under so much stress he was the CEO of Pepsi though apparently John Scully. Ah, so John Scully was the CEO of Pepsi and also Apple. Fuck. Okay. So apparently Maddie's telling me Steve Jobs pulled this guy. Jobs. Is Steve it Jobs? Jobs? Yeah, it's Jobs. Okay. Um, they pulled him from um, Steve. Steve Jobs pulled this guy from Pepsi as the CEO of Pepsi and brought him across to be become the CEO of Apple. And they didn't get along. They they didn't get along. And he he actually forced Jobs out. And um, you know, yeah. And then and sort of nearly buried the company. They I, I can remember in the nineties and um, you know the turn of the millennium and stuff. Apple weren't even on the radar. Apple were not even on the radar. It was all Microsoft. It was all Microsoft, not even IBM. It was all, everything was Microsoft. And um, for, for Apple to come back and bury Microsoft, 
and and just bounce back to become a complete monopoly. Like Steve Jobs must be an incredible mind, or or you know he's he's passed away now, but yeah, pretty amazing. That that's a big sort of obviously that's a fail in the context of the eighties, but what a bounce back story! What a, yeah. what a bloody yeah, incredible persistence. Incredible. All right, lovely. Nice well, my one. first computer I really had was an Apple. Was like it? I had an Apple. Um, <laughs> was the one that was very nineties. It was just like a head, almost like a, you know, how you had the Mac yeah. Classic where you had. They were tall and they had a little screen. No, no, no. Yeah. They had a huge screen, babe, oh, bigger okay. than a computer. Like it was like a big screen, and I remember if you, if I've still got it. You've still got it. I've still got it. I think it was a whether you understood how to use the Apple stuff that was the hardest. And I found the Apple stuff a lot easier than the Microsoft. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I yeah, remember the, the late the, 90s. I remember the Apple classics that they used to have in high school and they were like tall and they were, I think they was designed for that kind of multi-computer setup kind the of towers, thing. The towers, yeah. Yeah, they were like towers. Yeah, exactly. And I remember they, they had like a thin slot for the five and a half inch floppies and a, and yeah. a kind of a, a smaller slot for the three and a half inch. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. Shocking. And like basic, basic screens and, you know. But we, yeah, I think they had like, like a white lit, lit background, didn't they? They, they had a white-lit background and, like, sort of grey fonts on the screen from memory. I'm yeah. not sure, but I remember a lot of photographers started using them because we brought in Photoshop and stuff like yes. that. So that was always good for photographers. And Musos. Musos for, for, to get an Atari sort of – or like a, a Apple Mac was a lot easier to run a studio than yeah. to get a PC. So it yeah, was more right. creative kind of with people that were more creative. Ah, yeah. But yeah. Oh, uh, nice. All right. Let's um let's open up into movies and music, why don't we? What have you got for me? Caddyshack two. Fuck yes. Fucking fail. Fuck yes. What a fail. The first one was massive, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first one obviously starring uh Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, um, slew of other sort of stars. Um, and it was very well written, very funny, and very well improvised by um, because they were basically um, ex uh, SNL comedians that were coming across. Yeah. Um, and it was it had everything. It had like the little mascot. It had the was it a, a gopher? Was it a gopher or a fucking yeah? Yeah. Digging up the fucking golf course. I often think of it because I live on a golf course here. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it was it, a huge fail, was it? $39 million to make and grossed under $12 million. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That's a That's bit of shocking. a loss. Absolutely. Well, what, about, what about bloody The Adventures of um, Baron Munchausen? Have you heard of that one? No. This, oh, no, this was huge in the year that it came out. Um, it was directed by Terry uh, Gilliam from Monty Python, uh, who also directed – oh, fuck, what was he? He directed Heath Ledger's last film. Um, what was that called? Fuck, I can't remember. Yeah, the fan, yeah, the fantasmic fucking uh, – 
Can't remember. Anyway, Heath Ledger's last film. There you go. So he directed this um, Adventures of Baron Munchausen. It's famous for, well, not famous for being, but it did feature Yuma Thurman in her very first role at sort of like 19 years old or something. Um, it cost them $46 million to make. And look, it's not. <laughs> it's a weird film, but it's not particularly bad. Um, it's weird as shit. All of his films are. Um, but it only made eight grand back, so a forty-six Jesus. million dollar, yeah, eight forty-six grand? million. Yeah, people just didn't get it. Fucking Pe- what? Oh, sorry, Baba, eight mil. Oh my <laughs> god! I was <laughs> like, fucking, that's an epic fail. Uh, he would sorry. never work in this country again. I've been I've been buying car parts all week, and I've got grand in my head, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's um. It's it's eight mil. It's eight mil. So forty six mil outlay and a and an eight mil return. So yeah, it was pretty weird. It was sort of like semi historical, and it it was like a it was like a a fantasy. But um, yes, by the way, Maddie did fill me in. The Terry Gilliam's film with um, Heath Ledger was the Imaginarian of Doctor Parnassus. You may remember that one. So that was a huge fail, Baron Munchausen. Also, bloody Sammy, Masters of the Universe came out yeah, in '87. Maddie brought this up. Yeah, that was, that Tell was me a, about that it. had that had so much build up. It would. I mean, they had fuck. It only had to have a good script and like a believable looking He Man, and um, which they did. Like Dolph, Lund- Dolph Lundgren, um, you know, big, huge. He was basically like a blonde Stallone. Um, played He-Man. Um, apart from, you know, that is where the similarities ended. It had nothing to do with the comic books or the toys. Um, they they did, they, I think they were trying to sort of tap into the Star Wars market and they tried to, they tried to make it real techie and spacey. Like if there's one thing about Masters of the Universe, it's like it's like it, it it's magic and medieval sort of, you know, like it's it's swords and swords and fucking shields and shit. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's got it's got this kind of like real sort of techie spacey element. It was really weird. It was like really unnecessary. It, it sort of it broke my heart at the time. I was a huge Masters of the Universe fan. It was fucking shit. Yeah, wow. Frank Frank Langella played Skeletor and he did a fucking great job. He actually did a really good job because you wanted Skeletor to be good as well, you know. Um, but, Co- yeah, Courtney Cox was in it. Um, half of it was they, they they didn't have a massive budget. They, they blew a lot of the budget very early on. Um, so rather than set rather than set it on Eternia, they set it on fucking Earth. Oh. I don't, I don't want to fucking see Earth. No, right. This is another thing. This is another thing. They brought in all these new characters that nobody knew. And it's like, what about the, like, incredible fucking characters that are already in the story that you've been building up their storylines for years? We've, we want to see them. Um, yeah. So, so rather, you know, um, He-Man's sidekick is Orko, which is this little kind of... Um, this little uh, – he's a magician that sort of ballses everything up. He's like this little kind of magician. And you never see his face. This is the thing. You never see his face. It's like covered by this big hat. Um, and he's really well-meaning and he sort of saves the day at the last minute but he sort of ballses everything up. They 
they didn't have the budget to sort of pull off um, Orko, so they 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 replaced him with this character called Gwildor, mm-hmm. who was like fucking you know Willow, like one of the like one of the um, like one of the <laughs> extras from like one of the extras from Wizard of Oz, you know, that oh, sort of no. a, a, a bit cracked out, and they thought they'd give him a job, so. Um, it was completely unnecessary. He just sort of took the place of Gwildor. And, um, you know, Teela was different. Man-at-Arms was different. F- 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 the fact that they set it on fucking Earth, they did not show Eternia at all. Eternia is like the planet that it's set on. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm getting fucking angry. And <laughs> 30 years later. Anyway, so <laughs> um, they... They only showed interiors of Castle Greyskull and it's this big sprawling fucking, you know, Turak fucking mansion. It was nothing like that. It was like a like a ghostly old rundown castle. And they got it wrong. God damn it. There's still that there's there's a huge um anyway, it fucking lost heaps of money. It it um the little kids that love the show were completely freaked out by it mm. um, and it was just – it had no storyline. It was just like barely had a storyline, you know. It was fucking shocking. So there yeah, you go. absolutely. I give it nine stars. <laughs> nine stars out of what? <laughs> out of 100. Oh, yeah. So Labyrinth was a, was a flop as well but I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Well, it became yeah. a cult, a cult thing eventually, didn't it? Labyrinth. Yeah. It was. Um, I don't know. It's a classic cult classic now. Labyrinth, yeah, that's right. Yeah, know. yeah. I loved it at the time, but yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember this sort of it, it having a bit of a soft release, like it was on at the movies for a couple of weeks and then it was gone. I remember. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? That they didn't fuck around with that shit. Yeah, they just took it yeah. straight off. They just cut it. Too expensive. So. So Labyrinth had a budget of 25 mil. Five mil of that would have gone to David Bowie's um, Coke, Coke supply. <laughs> and I think, was it 13 million or something was their return? Something, yeah, yeah. Wow. So there you go. Pretty there shit. There was a lot of money that was spent in in uh, wrong situations. Like they really, as you say, we weren't marketing, we weren't looking at the credentials of what something had to offer and then yes. they were just putting it out and hoping shit happened. Yeah, um, yeah. The one thing that I remember in the 80s was when bands changed their image and their music. Epic yeah, fail. Right. Yeah, So yeah. you look at 1980, we had Can't Stop the Music, Village right. People. In 1981, they went major new romantic and had an album out called Renaissance. Really? Where they took their fucking gear off. They didn't, no more Indians and cowboys, no more fucking, can, yep. And it's, no. a, it's a pink fucking cover and they've got 80s hairstyles, 1981, and they look fucking ridiculous and it was the biggest flop you've ever fucking seen. Oh, from going no. from the biggest band with Can't Stop the Music being so fucking big to this 1981 album called, Re- I think it was called Renaissance and it was a pink cover and they all look like big poofs. 
And, and you know as what? They already to, were. As opposed they to already wearing were. a fucking... But yeah. this was... As opposed mm, to wearing an Indian fucking headdress. Exactly. But we didn't know as kids they were, though. We I didn't remember know. my brother. I remember you know? my brother saying, like, um, apparently they were all queers. And, I, yeah. you know, I really liked them. And it's like, yeah, because you're a queer. Nah. <laughs> well, but, that's uh, yeah, the thing. He, he we was, didn't know. We didn't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the Indian was hot. I thought the Indian was something you could fuck. Were they all gay? Oh, God, yeah. Were they all gay? God, yeah. They sang about San Francisco. I wouldn't have thought they were. Actually, you know what? what? The lead singer wasn't. The lead singer wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. And he's he's the one, the main one. You want to see his dick. No, I was a bit like, I love the Indian. I love the construction worker. Loved it. Oh, did you? But if you have a look at the Village People 1981 fucking record, it's funk, dance, pop, new wave. We'd just come out of disco and these guys thought, well, we better fucking change our fucking ways. And it's the shittest album cover you'll ever see and the music was even fucking shit. They had a song called Do You Want to Spend the Night? And they all acted like heteros in the fucking middle of the jungle and they fucking weren't and it just (laughs) flopped. Oh, no. That's you know? a shame, isn't it? And it was the same producer that produced the uh, Village People, Jacques Morali, or whatever his name was. But yeah. there was a lot of bands like that that changed their formula. Like, like even Kiss changed their formula, you know? Yeah, that's right. And, they tried that, And they, they took their makeup off. And I don't know. Look, one of those albums, probably the biggest albums that they've ever done. But... It just wasn't great to see Kiss without their makeup. I thought no, that was nobody a bit liked. Of an epic no one was interested. They were just generic no. when they did that, you know. Well, they you were want... very ugly as well. <laughs> That's right. All right, I've got one more film. I'm going to quickly mention, and then we mm-hmm. might go to an ad break. How about that? We'll come yeah, back and better. sort of tear all the music world apart. Um, the last film I want to mention. It was the very first Marvel film to be made by Marvel Studios. In the 80s, came out in 1986. It's Howard the Duck. Fucking never heard of it. How, exactly never heard of it. So if you had... If <laughs> Howard you had, the Duck? If you had, if you had Thor, Spider-Man, Iron Man, fucking list goes on. The Hulk, Captain yep. America, you yep. know, Black Widow as characters. Would you do your first film... As Howard the Duck, Howard no. the Duck was like a like a lesser known, um, lesser known sort of comic comic character. But he was like you know Marvel. He was in that universe, and so out of all of those, because it was their first foray and they were sort of like dipping their toe into the sort of movie market. This is Marvel Studios. They um, they did fucking Howard the Duck because they only had a tiny budget, and it's like, oh yeah, okay. So you don't want to like paint yourself green and you know like the standard was pretty fucking low if you look at the the incredible hulk tv show with mm. with joe what is his name joe Frigno i loved that show loved it. i loved it too mm. i was like completely terrified by it i um, always wanted so my own fucking hulk to live with me yes yeah he was like crazy shit now you've just got maddie who tells you to fuck off when you're that's right up. got a little hulk of my own <laughs> Drinks beer and fucking tells me to shut the fuck up. 
So um, they do Howard the Duck, right? So Howard yeah. the Duck. And this what was, was his um, special power, Howard the Duck? No, oh, being was as boring he? as batshit. I don't know. Really? Um, and and like yeah, George, George Lucas produced this. So if you think of like the, the the subject matter of Marvel Studios with George Lucas producing it, you would have high expectations. Yeah, it was a complete fucking bomb. People didn't know if it was a kids movie, if it was an adults mm. movie. It was just a complete fucking failure, and they lost so much money from it that that they um, that they sold they sold Marvel Studios. Sorry. George Lucas, George Lucas lost personally lost so wow. much money that he sold um, a branch of Lucasfilms. He sold Lucasfilms CGI branch to Steve Jobs, mm. and Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs um, famously turned it into Pixar. Which wow, which years later he would sell. Um, he bought it from. He bought it from um, George Lucas for five billion, billion, five billion. He sold it to Disney for seven million. Mm. So he sort of built Pixar up. He sold it for seven billion, seven billion and eight percent of Disney's um, shares, and that equates to about twelve billion. Fuck. Isn't that unbelievable? So like, wow. like for, he he bought it for five billion and ends up sort of basically it's it's worth kind of you know nineteen nineteen billion billion dollars like inconceivable amount of money. So there mm. you go. Mm. Fucking hell, incredible, huh? Absolutely. I find find Steve uh, Steve Jobs very very um, interesting, even though I can't pronounce his name. But there you go. Well, he was obviously a big uh, player in the 80s and, and in a lot of stuff, you know. Genius, yeah, absolutely. But didn't it Visionary. kill him in the end, though? You know, no, too nothing, much work. No, yeah, nothing could save him, Too much work, could it? no play. No, it doesn't nothing matter at the end him. what you have. Yeah, yeah. We're all human at the end of the day. Mm. All right, so we might throw to an ad break now. We've got a, it's um, something we spoke about previously. All right, so check it out. Woohoo! Hi, this is Max, 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 Max Hedrum, live down under. Normally I'd say sunglasses are ostentatious. <laughs> but, but, but the beaches here are so hot. I actually need mine. You certainly don't seem to need much else. But there's one thing you need whenever you're sweating it out for Australia. And what I'm referring to is it. And it is Coke, which is why Cokeologists everywhere say hey, Coke is it. All right, what do you reckon about that? That's sort of a um, bit of Max Headroom there if you did not realise it at first. Um, yeah, so there you go. You can hear the similarities to uh, Jim Carrey in that little clip, can't you? Yeah, well, Max Headroom was always, if you went nightclubbing around this time, there would be video screens with his head on it. He was such a yeah. a big thing. But you'd go, oh, what the fuck's that, Do you know? Yeah, he was like a cult figure. Mm. He was, yeah, but yeah, very absolutely. easily forgotten as well. I don't think any. I think everyone that's listening to this podcast would go, "Oh my god, yeah, I remember that vaguely." Yeah, you know? yeah. He that wasn't certainly no, no kind of, um, no kind of lasting legacy. It's no, something that sort of no. once it was finished, it was finished. Everyone that was about it. it. That was yeah. it. In fact, he was a little bit of a failure, really, when you think about <laughs> yeah. it. 
Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right, baby. Ad, we're going to Yeah, good ad. Good ad and good good ad for our ad break there. So we're going to jump into music now. Uh, duds, flops and epic failures in the music territory of the 1980s. Okay. What do you well, got? I've already I've already said the village people. Yeah. And Kiss. I think Kiss and a lot of people would disagree with me that some of Kiss's best album was when they took the makeup off. Mm. And I do agree, like God gave rock and roll to you, whatever that sort of, that era was fantastic. Well, that was 91, you're right. So, um, but I didn't like the whole Kiss no makeup thing at all. No. Well, they soon ditched it, didn't they? They did. They went back. Because I'm yeah. sure Every- they would have lost hundreds of Because everyone was like, Buh! Yeah, oh yeah. Look at Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley was probably okay, but it was Gene and Ace Freely that fucking looked knackered. Oh, Ace kept the makeup on. Are you sure? I think Ace, I remember seeing Ace without makeup. Right, so Ace quit before they did that. So Vinnie Vincent, Vinnie Vincent um, was the ank, you know, or the onk, and then um, um, unk. And then he took the makeup off, which is probably... Who wants to be a fucking ank? Anyway. Right, so he was replaced by Bruce Kulik. Mm. Right. There you go. Back in LA. All right. Must be interesting sort of listening to um, three people have an argument, but only be, being able to hear two of them. Oh, well, that's, what's edi- <laughs> that's what editing's for. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, right. All right. Well, we opened the show with this one. Um, hey, and I used to fucking love them. Millie Vanilli. Oh, my God. Totally Millie agree. Vanilli. Millie Vanilli were, <laughs> I mean, we thought they were, Rob uh, Pilatus or Pilatus and Fab Morgan. I think they were German, her- German-French heritage or something like yeah, that. They were very, yeah, very exotic, some... weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, two, um, you know, Amazing looking black dudes. One one said, sort of had blue eyes. They were very, um, very different looking, I guess, to uh, the African American sort of darker skin uh, musicians that we were used to seeing. They were very kind of uh, European, mysterious. They they had a kind of signature look, which was like bike pants and boots, and they would wear jackets like like kind of sports jackets with no top on underneath. Remember that? They were hairdressers. And that's what hairdressers wore. They wore (laughs) bike pants. Absolutely. They wore bike pants. They, I mean, Edward was exactly like that. My friend Edward at Chasers in 1989 wore bike pants. He had the big plaits in his hair, the big buckle jacket and the big fucking boots with the socks. You know, it was such a big thing. So I don't think they were the first to do that. But um, hairdressers always wear great stylish clothes. Yeah. You know, if if yeah. you were a hairdresser in the 80s, you dressed like a fucking rock star. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, it was sort of a, a, a glamorous profession, wasn't it? It was a glamorous profession and you had to be on point with your look or otherwise you didn't get to cut someone's hair. That's right because you had to sort of be inspiring. You know, people had to be like, oh, my God, I want my hair cut by – by him, you know, like yeah, that's or, right. or her. He had to look incredible. And it was yeah. only later on where the fucking 
chicks without makeup and a look used to cut hair because they became cheaper, you know, and yeah. everyone yeah. could do it. Yeah. So Millie Vanilli hit the market, I think, in 88, 89, right? They were huge, absolutely massive, absolutely massive. They seemed to come out of nowhere and all of a sudden their very first album, which was called All or Nothing, I believe, yeah. um, had all these hits. They had um, Don't Forget My Number, um, Girl I Know It's You, and I think they had Girl I'm Gonna Miss You or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I, I still remember calling the radio station at, uh, you know, at a young age and um, requesting their songs on a Friday night. They, they were so, so popular. They were huge. They came out of nowhere. And I think they actually... Got right. They were very, you know, very popular. They they um sold out tours and appearances, and they they barely did interviews because they were always touring, um, and they could barely speak English. This is another thing. This is another point. They had like, you know, they the 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 album was in English. They they sung in English, but then like they didn't do interviews because they could barely speak any English, and people were yeah. like. That's fucking weird. Like, how do they then sing so well in the songs? Uh, but nobody twigged. And then eventually they won a Grammy for Best New Act, I believe it is. Uh, best best Debut Album or something like that. Yeah, yeah. They, they won a fucking Grammy. They were at the Grammys. And then um, not long after that, they they were threatened by a DJ or something who had discovered the truth about them. Um, so quickly, the, you know, under pressure, the two artists, Rob and Fab, came out. They had a, a, um, a, media, um, conference. a media conference, yeah, a press, press conference, and they admitted that it wasn't them singing. It wasn't them singing. It was actually like, um, like an edit of about four or five singers that were, that were kind of edited together. And that sort of described their their very unique vocal tone. It was all these all these people sort of roll rolled into one. The and, whole um, band there, there was a whole band behind it, babe. Not just vocals. Yes, yeah, absolutely, and it, absolutely. And it was um, a huge thing because I think they were busted before they actually um, said yeah. that they were miming. Yeah, they had I think somebody a, a threatened female that they reporter. were going to expose them. Yeah, I think yeah, a female yeah. reporter reported them and they couldn't speak a word of English and she started to trigger whether they could sing in English Yeah, and whether yeah. that was happening. But um, it was a shock to the world because we loved them so much. Yeah, yeah, we, we didn't want it to be true. We didn't want it to be true. And there was a band and they were put behind the whole thing. Yeah. I'm not sure how much they toured though. I'm not sure about that and whether they actually did tour that It was much mainly big appearances. It was yeah, like, like sort yeah. of big sort of appearances like awards and stuff like that. So um but they they were on a very short leash, you know. They they um it's it's amazing because you think like where was that gonna go? What were they how were they gonna end it? Were they gonna like you know just disappear suddenly? Like how are they going to end it? I think that's what they thought. I think they thought they could do a quick album and fuck off. But these guys actually enjoyed the success and when they were um, they were mortified when it all went down the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it ended up, I think the one with the green eyes ended up topping himself because he, he was himself. just fucked up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pe- people would have been like, 
Yeah, yeah. He he would have. I think they they genuinely did want to become musicians, and it's like, well, well, good luck now, you know. So yeah. Well, I remember seeing a lot of their videos um, where they were just miming so full only and just you know, looking in the camera and they really felt it but they weren't yeah. singing it and sometimes you can get a little bit caught up in that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, And uh, all of a sudden they started to believe they were those people. Yeah. And they got away with it for so long. I mean, I remember uh, this was the 90s but when Betty Boo dropped the microphone in Melbourne at the Fuck Metro. Yeah. Was that, at that in was, Melbourne, was it? It was at the Metro in Melbourne. I'm See, pretty sure See, this kind of was. thing used to happen a lot in mm. the late 80s and the early 90s where you would have some gorgeous person fronting the act um, and you'd have like, you know, the singer behind the scenes who wasn't as marketable um, and they – they um they would actually be doing the singing, yeah, absolutely. Uh, since uh, CNC Music Factory, um, that was actually Martha um, Martha, Wa- Martha Wash, yeah, singing, Martha and Wash, they had yeah. yeah, and she was actually Martha Wash was also singing Black Box. Black Box was another sort of one where um um they're all fake, like it was all all a front. But I think those guys had all been exposed, and then. Um, when Betty Boo um, dropped her mic, everyone had had enough with that kind of shit. Um, that you know, it was her singing, but like she was singing over, for sure, she was miming over a backing track because she was yeah, doing a dance right. performance. Wasn't and that's she? another thing that came in in the eighties. It was miming. Yes. You know, we we got we got into the part where we could get away with miming and doing shows and and making it look like you were live, but um, yeah. you weren't live all the time. And and a lot of musos loved to do it, and a lot of musos didn't like to do it. Yeah, and, uh, Cold we, Chisel were one of those musos that didn't like to do it. Oh God, no! And no, on countdown, you had to do it because there were no finance. You know. But, yeah, no, Millie Vanilli was just an absolute, oh, can't even imagine, you know. I didn't love, love their music. I thought they were okay. They were kind of like a, they kind of reminded me a little bit of a Stock Aiken and Waterman thing anyway where the music sort Mm. of sounded the same and uh, they'd come out and and stuff like that. But I wasn't a huge fan. But I did like the fashion they did. I think the fashion was part of the 80s. The late yeah. 80s, especially because Bobby Brown came out in fucking bicycle pants and he That's was, right. you know, no my prerogative and he was doing, I mean, he's stuff like that. And there's a show I want to do where artists have actually just had a couple of goes where they've been successful. So with Bobby mm. Brown, you had New Edition and then you had Bobby Brown. So there's a couple of artists that have been successful in a couple of ways, you know. All right. Which yeah, would be a cool, cool. show. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Oh, Nice. Um, we are going to – uh, you touched on um, Stock Aitken and Waterman just then. We are going to do a Stock Aitken and Waterman show um, within the next couple of weeks. So keep listening out because I'm really excited to do it. It's going to be yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. And we are also doing – are we allowed to say the, give the results of our poll? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we – Sammy popped up a poll um, – for subject matter for an episode between to do an entire episode on either Tears for Fears or Wham. And we actually had more people vote for Tears for Fears. It was a close isn't call. That a, isn't close that amazing? Call. Yeah. Deirdre Chambers. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, incredible. So, we- so Tears for Fears. 
We're going to be doing that very soon. That's right. Tears, Tears for Fears are actually on my list for for um, kind of uh, flops. They did a they did a um, their follow up their follow up album, which came Seeds of Love, which came out. I won't talk about it too much because we'll cover it in the um, Tears for Fears episode. But they the the album uh, Seeds of Love that they released was so hectic. It was so full on that they ended up. Uh, breaking up over it, and yeah, and one of the right. guys, one of the guys divorced his wife. So it must have been pretty fucking. Would have been a terrible experience. Well, those guys were very wounded, and they had yeah. tough childhoods. And I think that's what the whole fucking thing was about—therapy for their childhoods. But we'll get onto Absolutely. that when we do tears for fears. I have started looking at them, and they weren't around for that long when you think about it. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, no. Even though I know that Roland's still doing albums under the same name, yeah, um, yeah, they they really did not agree with each other for ten years, you know. Yeah. So yeah, we'll look at that within a couple of weeks. The the awesome band Tears for Fears, and but, I've um, got. Um, I'm going to be appearing on a podcast, and fantastic. the podcast is called The Slot, and it's a Wentworth podcast. The slot. So I'm recording that. Yeah, I'm recording that this week, and it's called Are the you? slot, and it's all about being in the slot. Yeah. So I'm going on. Here's um, semi slot. That's right. I'm going to show my slot on the slot. Uh, I'm doing that this week, so that's very exciting. So the girls, they've been running this podcast for maybe <laughs> ten years, <laughs> ten or twelve years, even longer. Yes. And they're going to have me on as a special guest because they listen to our podcast. They love it. Fantastic. Oh, awesome. Can't wait to hear and so, get out to the girls that do that. Yeah, and they'll be and we're gonna get them on ours. So we're gonna cross pollinate. Isn't that lovely? Absolutely. And just do a little bit of the slot versus the eighties montage. We'll all we'll all get get our slots out and we'll cross pollinate. Absolutely. They will love that. <laughs> They will love that Okay, fucking awful, awful singles that came out Terrible duds Mm -hmm. Ebony and Ivory by uh, Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder Fucking shocking Ranked worst duet recorded ever By uh, a a BBC News poll Fucking terrible Stevie Wonder had a few few dodgy ones But this was just like really, really bad this is Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson, yeah? No, baby. Ebony and Ivory was uh, Paul McCartney and Stevie okay. Wonder. Yeah. The the, the McCartney, um, oh, yeah, Michael right. Jackson one was, The girl is mine. Yeah, right. I'm getting my duos mixed up. That's bizarre. Yeah. You, you, you're, getting, you're getting your shit duos mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So another shit one, another fucking failure. Agadoo by Black Lace. Agadoo, do, do, push pineapple, shake the tree. tree. That's Timor's theme song, isn't it? It is Timor's theme song. One of um, our bass player Timor's um, nicknames is Shagadoo. Shagadoo, that's right. For different reasons. Now, what was wrong with Agadoo? I was voted worst song ever by this big panel of industry experts in Q magazine in 2013. Just like it's just... Fucking ear rape, like like a fu- awful, awful fucking song. Right, I can do. It is. It's terrible, Sammy. It's it is terrible. terrible, but it fucking did very well. Did it? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it went very well, I thought, because yeah. um, I've often played it in uh, trivia shows and stuff and people know of it. Oh, they know of it. Yeah, yeah. Black oh, they lace. know of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. There you go. So another one which gets really panned, and this one's interesting, and I agree with this 100%, Susudio by Phil Collins. I fucking hate that song. Mm-hmm. And I... I don't care if it was popular. Um, it was criticised at the time for sounding like a sped-up 1999. They are very, very similar. Okay, um, yeah, right. It's been called insipid and stupid. And um, Michael Musto, who was the music editor for Village Voice magazine in New York, said that it was only his second most hated show, uh, song, but that it was... A, <laughs> Insidious and so insidious and evil that it could have been the theme song to the Third Reich. <sighs> Holy shit! <laughs> Tell I us what you really think. Not a huge Phil Collins fan. No, I'm not either. I'm not no. either. He had a shit album released in the '80s as well called um, no, "No Ties Necessary" or some shit. No like jacket that. required. No jacket required. I think that's Ugh. what it was called. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Shut the fuck um, up. That was his first studio album, I think, or maybe Ooh. not. I don't know, but it what had Easy stinker. Lover on it. But yeah, I wasn't. It just had a, I, was nothing just the appealing about it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like the production. Um, mm. Like I said that in the last, you know, the best Phil Collins song is in the air tonight, but that's about all yeah. I like. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You'll be surprised how many fucking musos in Melbourne love his shit, though, and want to put it in your band. Like, let's do Easy Lover. It's like, fuck off. Fucking <laughs> hate it. That's a duet as well, the two the two Phil's. That's right. Yeah. So I've also got, <laughs> I don't know if I quite agree with this one. We built this city. Fucking shit house. Yeah, you hate it. I know. Fucking it was hate ranked it. worst song many times, particularly I agree. in a in a Rolling Rolling Stone magazine readers poll. So the readers sort of they got the readers to write in. The readers hated it. Um, even 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 Starship hates it. Um, it's famously been disowned by Grace Grace Slick. So, Grace Slick from uh, Starship. So, um, yeah, so Starship, right, they were Jefferson Airplane. They were at Woodstock, um, Jefferson Airplane. They went right through the 70s. And then the 80s, they came back sort of rebranded as Starship and um, with this completely different sound and um, new approach. And, yeah, they were a bit shit. I kind of like this song. I kind of like this song. Yes, so... We Built This City was originally offered to uh, John Farnham to be part of, I believe, the voice album. Um, and he just uh, flat flat rejected it. Uh, Whispering Jack, sorry. Whispering Jack. He just flat flat rejected it. Hated it. Righto. So, by the sound effects I can hear in the background, I think Sammy's on her way back. <laughs> I can hear the... Toilets being flushed and the hands being washed. She's singing happy birthday and she's washing her hands as, sh- as you should during times of isolation. All right, sorry, I'm back. I've just had that JD go straight through me. Oh, great. Um, okay, Sammy, I- I've gotten through what I needed to do and we've gotten to this episode's One Dick Wonder, which is our final shit song. Yeah. What, what do we say to our One Dick Wonder? 
Nice one, Dick. Dick. All right, great. What was our one Dick wonder? Our one Dick wonder for this week is Bobby McFerrin. Bobby ah. McFerrin with Don't Worry, Be Happy. song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy, in every life we have some trouble, but when you worry you make it double, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Fucking hell, I hate this song. It Does is it make quite you happy? clever. No, nothing. No. Nothing wants me. Nothing makes me want to suicide more. <laughs> I know, you know, right? And and that's like looking at my bank statement included. So it's sort of this this song. It, look, it. There's so many things to hate about this song. It is it is clever. It's it's the um, it's um a cappella. The whole thing is with that's um, right. Clicks and and like no instruments at all. It had uh, uh, Robin Williams in the film clip. It did. Well that was Bobby the best thing about it. That was the best thing about it. Um, it now the, remember I said Michael Michael Musto from Village Voice. Um, uh, Susudio was his second most hated song. This was his most hated song. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and it gets criticised for being. It gets criticised for the shit Jamaican accent that he sings it in. Yeah, yeah. He sings it in a fucking Jamaican accent. He's from New York. Yeah, that's right. Very weird. And it's sort of like like a kind of dumbed down, like they they made it Jamaican to kind of um, um, suit suit the sort of Jamaican hey chill out kind of vibe. Um, but the whole kind of um, hey, don't worry about it, kind of thing. Like, forget about your troubles. Really, did not resonate with people. Um, and I think it. I think it was huge because it was in Cocktail in 1988. The movie. That's right. It was too. It was too. And yeah. believe it or not, it knocked Sweet Child of Mine, Guns and Roses, off the fucking charts. This is why I fucking hated them. I was a huge Gunners fan. Yeah. And it knocked, and it knocked Sweet, Sweet Child of Mine off number one. This yeah. is the thing that I hate about this song. Yes, it's a shit song. It didn't need to go to number one. It went to fucking number one. It was all over the radio and TV at the time. It was a budgie song. And a budgie song is something that you put on and your bird goes up and down and dances to it. Do, 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 do. You know, if, if you ever had a pet budgie and you put on a song <laughs> and it was going, it's, it's a budgie song. it's got song. whistling in it. It's got yeah. whistling in it, remember? That's right. It's got like a, like a whistle bit in it. Kill me. I mean, I mean, 
Patient by Guns N' Roses does too, but fucking different story. And it but wasn't really happy. Speaking of speaking of bungees, actually, we might we might wrap up there, and then I've got a great story. So, what do we say to our one dick wonder? Nice one, one dick. Yeah, Bobby McFerrin, fuck off. And he didn't. We 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 were gonna do Bobby McFerrin before as a one dick wonder, but we didn't because we thought he killed himself. He didn't kill himself, didn't he? No, although most people that have heard the song have felt like it. He he <laughs> he, he didn't actually um, kill himself. So there you go. Yeah, He's that's still another playing urban myth. it now. Now, speaking of budgies, <laughs> speaking of budgies, I'm sick, right? But I think this is fucking funny. Yeah. My. My nana used to have a budgie. Everyone yeah. had a budgie in the eighties, didn't they? It was so you big. could get you yeah. could get like little blue ones and little yeah, green little ones green and little ones. yellow ones. Yeah. Hey, and they'd talk and they'd sort of, you know, chirp along. <laughs> my 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 nana had a budgie. And you used to sort of have to cut their the ends of their feathers off so they just didn't like a native Australian bird, they would just like piss off into the bush, you know? Mm. So mm. so so if you had a budgie, you'd sort of cut the end of their wings off and it would stop them from flying as far. <laughs> My nana had a budgie and it, and it would sort of walk along the floor and climb up the shelves and mm-hmm. then it would walk up the top of the shelves and it would fly, sort of glide across the room and land on her shoulder. And every mm-hmm. every everybody thought it was a great fucking trick. Like, oh, my God, isn't that cute? Until nana was... <laughs> nana... <laughs> Until Nana was frying chips on oh, the no yeah frying chips on the fucking stove not the chips yeah yes it's so eighties this story she um pretty boy <laughs> pretty, pretty boy's boy name was, was the name everyone <laughs> pretty, was pretty boy pretty boy <laughs> pretty boy Mark three because he probably she had lost the other two yeah. um he climbed up on the shelf and flew across. Went to land on a shoulder, but missed and landed feet first into the fucking, into the oh, frying chips. No. And she's like, "Oh my god, oh, pretty boy!" Like, like got the spatula and got him out of the. <laughs> got him Were out you of the there? Fucking, Were you there the when frying it oil? Yes, and it was like I'm Horrific. sick because when there's like screaming and everything like that, I. Piss myself yeah. laughing at, yeah, at yeah, the yeah. chaos, like all yeah. the drama. Yeah. Everyone was yeah. screaming, and I was like a little kid. I didn't, <laughs> laughing. I, I didn't give a fucking shit. Anyway, oh. they got him. They got him out, and everybody thought he was fine. Oh my god, he's fine. Oh, he's still got his legs, and oh, that's fine. He was chirping and everything, and they put him back in the cage. Here, put him back, like before he, before he like does something serious. The le- his feet had deep fried. And within a oh day my or two, God. within a day or two, they just scabbed up and fell off completely. Oh so my pretty, God! You'd, like pretty boy would just be like lying in the cage, like kill me, <laughs> kill me. Oh, oh hell. poor pretty boy. How how <laughs> you know? So sort of pop had to go out with the cricket bat and get pretty boy and uh, yeah. They were so big budgies, weren't they? Yeah. I remember my grandmothers used to die and we used to just change it over and she never knew the difference. No, no, that's the thing. They were great. Just get a blue budgie from the pet shop. They were like goldfish. They were fantastic. They were. And uh, she, I mean, I had one that had a full vocabulary, like um, 
he used to call the cats and he used to go, hello, Chicky, 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 did, where'd you going? Where'd you going? Like he'd do Did he that. teach you your vocabulary? He used to do neck rolls because I used to dance in the lounge room and he'd do neck rolls like that from fucking copying me. Oh, really? He loved it. Yep, he loved it. But though they're very clever budgies, but not so yeah. many people have them now. Yeah, see, I, I consider myself clever and I've never sort of put my feet in boiling oil. But No. We're all different, That's aren't we? That's right. <laughs> all right. Fantastic. Sorry to uh, sorry to end the <laughs> sorry to end the show on a fucking macabre tone with macabre tone there with pretty boy flying into the fat. But there we go. All right. <laughs> Thanks fucking guys. Hell. Thanks for listening in. It's been a weird we've old show. A, yeah, we've got to mention our Patreon. We sure do. Who are they, yeah. Sammy? Patreon. We've got a special Patreon this week to pronounce or to uh, let everyone know. Your mum. Ah, mum. Yeah. So, yeah, my mum. I will. I will. Her her name is Mrs. J. Jovi. <laughs> no, I won't say my mum's name on here. <laughs> she gets harassed enough by all all of her sons. But Does um, she th- thank you, mum. That's beautiful. My mum has always been my biggest supporter. She's seen. Yep. Every single gig I've done growing up and and always listens to the show. Literally the day the show comes out, the moment the show comes out, which is sort of very, very, you know, towards midnight on a Thursday night, ready for Friday morning, mum will be up listening to my show, um, you know, our show. She loves it. She loves Sammy. She's known known all of us for years and years, especially me, especially me. That's right. And and, um, She uh, had you in the slot. That's right. So she, my, I've actually been on the phone to my mum, been yeah. on the phone to my mum on a Thursday night and she has hung up from me because she's just got the notification on her phone that the podcast show has come out. So she, she has hung up from having an actual conversation with me to then to have a listen. going and listening to an edited conversation with me in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> And, so, and that's yeah. the good thing. If you subscribe to the show, you get those notifications and you know exactly when they're out. Exactly when it comes out. It's in your best interest. If you love the show, come on board as a as a Patreon. Um, you can do it for as cheap as sort of $1, I think $5. But if you get a $10 subscription, you get access to extra episodes where we talk about some weird shit. If you think mm. we're drunk doing this, you mm. should hear us doing the extra shows. Holy shit. So um they are. yeah, come on board and be a supporter and sort of keep the lights on in the in the band room. Why don't you? Good and on you. Those that for those that have got the extra show that is coming out quite soon. We've just been a bit chaotic at this time. Um, personally, Maddie and I have had a, a lot of personal stuff happen with family, so we're just a little bit um, a little bit busy in situations. But it's coming out very soon. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, look, sending lots of love. And light out there to everybody out there in in ISO land all around the world. I hope you're doing well. You know, keep on, keep on, um, keep on keeping on, guys, and stay safe, stay healthy. Um, Don't give yourself a shit ISO haircut. There's a lot of that going on. Yeah, oh. don't do any of that shit, you know. Oh. Just stick to guitar playing and yoga. Yeah, you know, don't cut your own hair for God's sake. Now, by all means, um, 
like, subscribe, comment, comment on our show on um, if you're listening via iTunes, definitely, and give us a five-star rating. You know we fucking deserve it. We're desperate. We're desperate for five stars. Give yeah. them to us. It's all Good about on you. the stars. Yeah, what's it going to cost you? We're getting some Nothing. fantastic ratings and they're going up every week and sort of uh, it's really helping us spread the word. So good on you guys. Write to us on our social media, on Instagram and Facebook, of course. And um, we will see you next time. I'm not sure if it's going to be Tears for Fears or, or Stock Aiken and Waterman, but it's going to be epic. It's going to be funny. Good on you guys. Mm. Thank you. So if it's music, music mateys or cool, or cool shit, shit from, from the, the 80s, 80s. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal. One day we'll get that fucking in time. <laughs>